David Eichel, Hawkeye Insider here with another episode of the Swarmcast. Been a few weeks. Uh, I've been traveling a little bit. Obviously, the recruiting dead period, 444 days long, finally came to an end. So it's been a busy time over here at HawkeyeInsider.com. And no better guest to have come on the podcast and returning uh, than Washed Up Walk-On's very own Tyler Kluver. This has been a long time coming, I think, Tyler. Uh, I'm very happy and very ecstatic that you took the time to do this. And uh, I can't wait just to chop it up with you. How, how are you doing, man? I, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm doing good, man. I uh, I got all stretched out before this podcast. I hit a workout earlier today and I was rolling out my Achilles tendon. I'm training for a half marathon and I'm doing CrossFit at the same time. So all stretched out, ready to go. I think I'm warmed up for the podcast. I, uh, I love when I come on, like I was on with Miller and I think that's kind of what sparked, uh, what sparked you reaching out to me a little bit. Cause is I think people realize or, or think that like asking me to do a podcast or I've had several high school coaches, like ask me to come back and talk to the team or whatever. People always reach out. Like I'm some, like, like I'm Josie Jewell or something. <laughs> it's like, no, like, dude, I'm the least like guy that is going to, turn you down or but it's it's an it's awesome i i it's honestly a privilege for me that people want me to come on and talk about uh about iowa football if you listen to some of the fans out there i'm just uh i'm just a snapper that's got no eligibility left and so (laughs) people some people don't respect the uh respect the opinion or the thoughts and that's all right but um i'll talk whenever somebody wants me to talk hey i mean you know at the end of the day too what i always tell people is, is d1 football the end of the day, like there's always a different level there and whether you agree or disagree with their analysis, like they have a credit to actually be able to have that opinion. And that's at least my two cents. And, and I'll tell you to get back, you know, I I just started boxing a few weeks ago. I can barely move. Like I'm, I'm so ridiculously sore, but some of the best workouts I think I've ever had, even when I was, you know, doing sports all throughout, you know, high school and all that. But, uh, you know, a half marathon. I think I got a few ways to go. Uh, go for that. When's that? Uh, when's that take place for you? Then you got a few weeks of training left, or is it like a, the yeah, marathon? Yeah. Or I just started a couple weeks ago. It's um for anybody that lives in Iowa, which is probably most people live, listening to this. Uh, it's it's the old dam to dam. Um, so it's now dam to DSM. Uh, it's a really cool route that runs uh basically kind of from the outside of Ankeny down into the middle of Des Moines. Um, it's a beautiful run. I did it last year, but it was canceled. So I actually did it like by myself, no start line, no gun, no (laughs) ribbons, no finish line. It was just me out there with a buddy and, uh, and it was awesome. So I'm sure this year is going to be even better. And I am in week three of 14 weeks of training for that. So yeah, it'll be cool. So is this your, uh, is that going to be the first quote unquote official? I know you just say you did last year. This is this your first official half marathon. That would be the first official one. Yep. Okay. All right. So well, hopefully good for it makes you, me dude. Run. Hopefully it makes me run faster. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not in so, it for the uh, running. I hate running. I suck at running, <laughs> but uh, I just like the competitiveness of it. So. Oh, for sure. I mean, here's the thing though, too. Do you have your time from last year? I do. I do. That's okay. Well, that time doesn't stand a chance this year. I I'm going, I have a bigger goal, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll be a good time. So, yeah, you know, Tyler, it's crazy to think that at least from, I guess, my perspective, too, that fans haven't been in Kinnick Stadium outside of spring. I mean, spring ball is spring ball, obviously, but I think it's going to be well over 
close to 600 some days since yep. there's been fans in Kinnick Stadium. And it feels like it's been such a long journey. But I guess let's just start right from the top. What are your biggest question marks going into the season? I know I got my own, but on paper, I do think that Iowa loses a lot. But you also, I think, have to love there's a lot of like untapped potential of some of these guys that I do think can step in and make a big impact. Yeah, I think for me as a player, I mean, like every year it's it's the situation where those who are on the outside and don't get to see it every day. It's always the question of, Oh, we lose these guys. We lose this guy here. We lose this leadership here, this experience. And it was crazy that when I was inside the program, we never ever were worried about stuff like that because we got to saw immediately day one when that, when that new team turns the corner, uh, you know, back from the, you know, the bold break and you start workouts in January like there's somebody that's in that spot. Somebody fills the spot immediately and, and you see them putting in work in the weight room. You see them putting in um, the work to grow as a leader on the team. And then once we get into skills and drills and kind of, you know, everybody's straight into doing their own stuff and kind of working footwork and everyone has their own drills and you just kind of realize like, all right, well, it's just next guy. It's, it's next man in. And so I'm not so much worried about anything. And, and I think also that probably is a problem in some programs. Um, man, Kirk and the boys, they find a way to just kind of make sure that there's no glaring holes across the board. Obviously, there's going to be positions that aren't quite as good, right? Like we we graduate uh, Davian Nixon into – yeah, the Panthers and now we don't have an all American D lineman or do we like, I don't know. Like yeah. that's a question mark, right? Chauncey, obviously solid first off the board for the Hawks in the draft. He goes to Dallas. Well, that's two of four D linemen. So the D line is obviously the big question mark when everyone's talking about it right now. Um, you know, we just mentioned before we hit record that I was kind of doing some stuff for the walk-ons today and, I think, you know, a guy like Logan Lee, who's slotted at um, the second string behind YA Black right now, who we didn't get to see, um, YA, that is, in spring ball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, we didn't get to see anything, but all the reports say that this guy is just a physical specimen. Um, he's he's huge. I think he's 6'5", 300. Logan Lee behind him is like 6'5", 290. Probably, and I always think that, uh, I always add like five pounds because those weights are generally going up over the course of some guy's career um, yeah. until they're, yeah. So uh, man, I just, I think they're going to step in and be fine on the D line. The big question is, is the big question is, is speed is Spencer going to take the, uh, a step that allows the rest of the team to flourish or is he going to hold back the passing game in a, in an offense where we have, we have depth at receiver. It's not elite depth. Um, when I look at the receiving core this year, I see Tyrone is like our elite receiver. Hopefully he can be elite. Um, and then we have like five or six guys that are in the next tier and they can get it done. Right. But they're not, um, 
you know, they're not like an LSU kind of guy. Uh, you know, they're not Jamar Chase where you put Tyler Kluver out there at quarterback and I'll just throw it up and Jamar Chase will go get it, right? Like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to need Spencer to do a little bit of that work as well. You look at Sam Laporta and um, he's basically proven at this point. And I think Luke Lachey behind him, who's um, an even better athlete from what I can see, as long as he gets the play- playbook down and can gain the trust of – the coaches and obviously he's already the two string. And if you're the two string tight end at Iowa, that means you're getting a lot of reps. You're going to play a bunch. So um, the weapons are there on offense. And I think the stability is there on defense. Um, Man, that back seven, I think is good enough to take care of any four guys we put on the D line. And I think our, our offensive weapons are good enough. There's some questions at tackle, but again, that's another position where I just see like, we just seem to find guys who can play tackle and can do really good at the line position at Iowa. Um, Spencer's got to, Spencer's got to take another step, but otherwise I think it's just a really solid team. And that the question mark is not so much, Hey, are we going to be able to get it done at this position? But are we going to be able to gel between all the positions to win those close games? Like is Mm -hmm. the culture and the grit of this year's Iowa football team good enough to beat Wisconsin in a barn burner late in the fourth quarter. Like that, that's what we have yet to see. And you never really see it until it happens. Um, So, but I think the guys are there. I think the guys are there. You know, I think you bring up a good point about the grit and culture. I know this example has been kind of hammered down people's throats, but I go back to the 2015 Iowa team that went 12 and 0 in the regular season. I mean, you talk about culture and grit. I think it was a very good team. It was, I don't think it was the most talented team Kirk's ever had, but the way those guys gelled together and the way they played together, the way they came together late in games and the way they got done down the stretch, especially quarterback and and even on defense and key stops, it it was special. And that's why that team went 12 and 0 uh, in the regular season. And that's why they were able to do what they were able to do. And, you know, the D line, like you said, I, I almost don't question anymore to an extent. I think Kelvin Bell is, ridiculously good at his job. I think yeah. people are really starting to value that. Uh, I think Jay Neiman's come in and not wasted a step. I think the way, way he's on the recruiting trail has been good. And I think that was a really solid hire from a recruiting standpoint and experience standpoint. And he just knows the area and he knows football. Yep. I think it's the third year in a row. I was lost at least three defensive line starters. And every year I've been, since I've been covering the team, I've said, okay, well, what's going to happen this year on the D line. I'm not doing that really this year. And maybe I should, but the way that they've come about and the way they've just been able to flourish down the stretch and the way one player has been able to carry the load to some extent, I know it's always a team effort, but there's always seemed to be that one guy who really just breaks free. Yeah. Uh, like Davion Nixon last year. Yeah. And I, I think that it, uh, that, that, that's where that goes. And as far as Luke Lachey goes, I was doing some research the other day when I was doing my pick to click series and I actually picked Luke on that, on that list. And Iowa is tight end you. I think there's an argument for other schools, but I think Iowa's reputation speaks for itself. With that being said, if Iowa wants to able to wants to hold on to that, they got to produce this year. And I think Sam Laporta can be a guy, and I think Luke Lachey can be a huge red zone target that Spencer is going to need to rely on to be able to finish drives. Um, and going back to some of my research, like I said, throughout the past two seasons. And keep in mind, of course, last year was only eight games, so it's not exactly two full seasons, uh, but it's still worth mentioning. They had 70 receptions for 851 yards and two touchdowns. 
And, and to be fair to Sam and, the, and Sean Byer and all those guys who I think are talented players, when you're trying to take over for TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, it, it's impossible to replicate what they did. It, it's just not realistic and it's not fair to those guys. But yep. with Laporta being in the system now, I think it's a big, I think it's going to be a huge, huge year for him to be able to step up and be that security blanket for Spencer. I do too. I think replacing, replacing those two guys is impossible, right? Like you're just never going to have no, I mean, like, I don't know if, I don't know if Hawkeye fans realize that they saw the best year of that. You could, you could ever possibly have between two tight ends on the same team. I mean, it manifested itself into two top 15 or two top 20 picks, like two tight ends went in the top 20 picks and from the same team. I don't think it will yeah. ever happen again. I just don't. Um, they, we are tight end you of the, like that. I, I honestly hate the conversation. I hate it so much. I like, too. who is, who is QBU or tight end you or O-line you? What? Well, if you want to like, you have to classify it like when in the last five years, because if it's the last five years, then no one's even close to us. If you start to back it out a little bit, well, yeah, then, then you have teams like Miami or Notre Dame and, and stuff like that. But um, we do need to be better production wise in the tight end spot. I thought it was just kind of, they, they were just kind of there last year. And I don't know if it necessarily was their fault. Um COVID being a thing was just weird anyway. So it didn't feel like anyone was really a star last year. It, it almost felt like because we didn't have four games in a postseason for most teams, it was like, well, no one really was like this crazy breakout athlete, right? Like we got eight exhibition games in almost. And yeah, I think Bayer was good, but he wasn't, he, he didn't have enough confidence from the coaches or Petrus to really go out and flash his potential. And, and really what he offered was his athleticism. Sam was the starter. And I personally, and this is no knock on Sam. I don't think Sam is his ceiling. Isn't as, and, and I could be, this is me talking out of my ass again, just another guy that's not in the complex anymore. But when I watch him play, he doesn't have that top end speed that, I mean, nobody has speed like Noah, um, but even Kittle and, and Hawk, they're fast guys. And I don't think Sam has that speed. He's more of a catch it and bowl you over kind of guy, which George kind of has both. Um, I think Luke Lachey, as long as he comes along, actually has the potential to have the higher ceiling as a tight end. What allowed those other guys to do so well and I mean, and you go all the way back to Kittle. I mean, he, it's not like he just shined in college, which is why his story in the NFL is so crazy. But yeah. what allowed those guys to shine Hawk and Fant was Nate was a proven quarterback who was really good at getting it to the tight ends. Right. And we have yet to see that development from Petrus. So, you know, it's a, it's a given pull there from, from that relationship. I think, I mean, I really think that, Laporta will do do well. I think that the big play guy is Lachey. And I think the consistent every down just Mr. Reliable is Laporta. And both of those will get you to the NFL. Like both of those guys are NFL type guys. I think Lachey has the opportunity to maybe become more like 
the three guys that we've put in the league recently, sure. but um, they are absolutely necessary for the offense to do well, both blocking and receiving. No. And I think that's an interesting point too. I, I, I find myself agreeing with you a little bit on the Porta, but at the same time, I also think when you look back at the tape and you look back at Hawkinson and, and Fant, I feel like they've had more opportunities to be able to get out in open space to show their top end speed. Like, I don't think, I think Laporte has caught so many balls over the middle and has been immediately collapsed upon that. I I really don't know if I know his top end speed. And at least from, I think there've been a few plays where I'm like, you know, if he was a little bit faster, maybe he could have gotten away, but that's why I'm going to be looking very specifically at that through the first, you know, five or six games of this year. And I'll tell you what, I know scouts are going to be looking at that too, because yeah. like you said, if you talk about reliability, Laporta really doesn't drop that many passes. I think there were a couple he got considered drops last year, which I think drops is a very interesting stat because it's yeah. just up to the stat statistician to be able to dictate who it was. Was it a bad throw or was it a drop? Yeah. There were a couple I really don't think should have been on Laporta last year, but that, that's just I, one man's opinion. One of the most impressive catches I've ever seen was when he went down to the turf right on the goal line and like picked it off the, it was like off the, the tips of the turf beads. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he scored, but it was like right there. He dove basically for the ball and it was a huge play. I think he has awesome hands. And if he does get the chance, like if we can get that offense to open up and, and he has the chance to run away. Like I think about the, uh, the Noah Fant touchdown against Ohio state in the corner of the end zone where he runs like up into the tunnel like he just ran away from that guy. And if Laporta gets the chance to do stuff like that and he can do that, well then teams should be really worried. Yeah. Now can now again, it all comes back to can Petrus loft it up in the basket. And I think that he'll be able to more than he did last year. Like I, I, I think it would be dumb to to think that he doesn't take a step with a full off season where they get reps in spring ball, they get and I think that was, I think we saw a little bit of that in spring ball. It was just this year's spring ball was weird because there were so many injuries. Um, yeah. And so yet to be seen, but I don't, I mean, fans that are worried about Petrus taking a step, I, I just think, you know, you, it would be very hard to not get better, um, especially well, with all especially the room if, he had to re- improve. And with Padilla on his tail. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's a thing too. And I'll say this. And I, I will go on the record saying this. I, I'd be shocked if this didn't happen. Look, Petrus is starting. And Petrus is going yeah. to start for a minimum. It, even if he is the worst quarterback ever, I don't think he's going to be. Again, I think he's going to take a step forward, too, because I think Padilla pushing him is a good thing at this point. I really do. Um, but you're not going to start Padilla or Hogan. Just I'll throw Hogan in there, too. You're not starting either of those guys against a top 15 Indiana squad, and then the most highly anticipated Cyhawk game of all time where Iowa State could be a top five, top eight team in the country. You're not going to start a new quarterback like that. It's just – I don't think you're going to start him in the game after that either. Who's game three? Uh, no, it goes down – I think it goes down to Kent State. I, you're you're going to see Petrus through at least Kent State then because they're going to – Just to see give, if he can get his confidence back in week right. three. Because there's a sure. there's a very good opportunity or not good opportunity. There's a very <clears throat> high chance that the Hawks are zero and two. I mean, there's a high chance that the Hawks are zero and two, and we're sitting there like, well, son of a bitch. Like, I think, I think we played okay, but we haven't we don't have any wins in the column, right? Like, yeah. And it's just because it's the probably the most difficult start that 
it's, it's one of the most difficult starts that I was ever had to a season. And, um, I think, gonna be a, I think it's the most difficult opening two weeks stretch across college football for any team. Probably. I yeah. I mean, I haven't looked into, I'm not, you know, I barely researched the Hawks enough to talk about, I don't, <laughs> I don't research anybody else, but. Oh, um, I don't think I'm going on a limb saying that. Like I know Ohio state plays Oregon. There's a couple of marquee games. Like, yeah, that one week may be tough, but if you're taking the totality of, of a conference a opening opponent, they're both top 15 conference opening opponent with a, a quarterback who's I think the best quarterback in the big 10 to start the year. And Who's Michael Penix. Penix. Yeah, yeah he's, I, Penix, he's really he's on good. Track. He's um, really good. And then obviously Iowa State, and they returned 20 starters. I mean, I know that's dangerous. I, I, I <laughs> it's so dangerous. I, I, so back to my point is like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of short sighted fans or people from the outside who like they, they blame Petrus for the first two games. Okay, picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And it's just, as as crappy as it is to say, it's like, well, he kind of gets the past because those teams are going to make a lot of quarterbacks look not great this year. And it just is what it is. There's going to be so many people if we're 0-2 calling for Padilla um, game three. And I just think, and it's, it's never the mentality you want to have, but like, let's give Petrus the first two games. Obviously he's been on the field in, I mean, hardly big time situations, but he's played sure. through some big 10 games to put Padilla or Hogan out there against those two teams. I mean, that's like throwing your child to the wolves. That's yeah. not good. like that. If you want to ruin your, your, your fantasies about what Padilla or Hogan could some someday eventually be, let's, let's throw them out there versus the Iowa state defense. That's about to, you know, that we're about to yeah. face, like they're going to look awful. They're going to look horrible. <laughs> and I, I think, I think what a lot of Iowa fans want is like this Johnny Manziel type thing to happen where, yeah, yeah. we just, we just throw this young guy out there <laughs> and he starts running around, just throwing it behind, behind his back and just scrambling everywhere and, and doing crazy stuff. And like, how often is there a Johnny Manziel or a Lamar Jackson who can just do that? Like, Padilla's good with his feet, I think. And I think Hogan will be all right with his feet, but they're not like that. And yeah. And they know they're not getting hit in spring ball. Well, let's get that right too. Right. Like they're not taking shots. It's not like they're going to be sprinting downfield. And, you know, when they have a 320 pound defensive tackle chasing them and then like yeah. a, a, all big 12 safety about to collapse and, you know, ruin them. And, and maybe you'll disagree with me on this, but. I feel like if you throw in a quarterback where they're not forced to, and I don't want to say they haven't earned the job, but it's because the starter lost it. Mm-hmm. That could derail somebody's career. If their start goes bad enough. I mean, just as far as a mental aspect, I mean, if you want to potentially ruin their careers and guys who might take over for Petrus or potentially earn that spot and overtake them. Yeah. I think it's a dangerous move. It ruins the, and I, this is, this is something that most, a lot of people just won't understand because they just want like, Hey, if he's better, just throw him in. Or like, if he has more potential, just throw him in there. 
there's a, there's a flow to a guy's career that, that kind of needs to take place, especially in the Iowa offense where you like, you're, you're not going to step in as the Iowa quarterback and be like a Heisman, a Heisman quarterback. Like that's just not the system yeah. we run. Like we're going to feature our running backs. We're going to feature our tight ends. We need you to, when we call on you, be able to be a, an A minus B plus quarterback and just get them the ball. Right. And yeah, it Petrus is going to be through game three. If he plays like crap against Kent state, then at this point, eight, eight games in a season where there was no fans and he had all the time to figure it out. And then three games where he's up against a bunch of uh, two tough opponents. And then a, a hopefully a pip squeak. Um, if he hasn't figured it out by then I'm then okay. Probably. Cause it's still situational. I, I sure there still may be a chance where I'm like, yeah, I think, I think he's right there to turn the corner. But at that point, then I think you maybe start opening the door for, okay, do we give Padilla reps? But until then, I don't think it's a discussion. No. And I think it's worth knowing too, which I don't think people give Petrus enough credit. His last two games, he ended very strong. He had five yeah. touchdowns, zero picks, and he had a couple of good deep passes. And I, and if you don't think that momentum is going to carry uh, into into in the next year and into spring ball, I I I think you'd be mistaken. Speaking of spring ball, a couple things. One, I don't think people really understand how crucial spring ball is, especially to a program like Iowa. Nobody understands. I mean, and I, if I'm not mistaken, it's Kirk's favorite time of the year to coach because it's all strictly individual development. Because when people get into fall camp, like yeah, you spend a week on fundamentals, but you're still at that point, you're taking all your individual development and you're meshing it together as a team. Like spring ball, yeah, you'll run plays, you'll do one-on-ones and stuff, but it's individual development. That's where you see guys take strides. That's why, for the most part, and again, I could be totally off base here, that's why you see people take the biggest steps from one year to the next and not, oh, it's halfway through a season. They had a strong second half of the season. Like, yeah, that'll happen at times, but it's not something you can really, really rely on. Um and 65 guys hanging into this spring ball never yeah. even had the chance to do it. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Um, the fact that, I, I mean, as far as a spring ball season team goes, we're so young, right? Like, and I think that the, what people don't see, this is how a spring ball practice works. And it's, it's just low by the guys who have to go through it but you you have basically a normal practice that you would like in season and then afterwards there's like a 40 minute devo period right where they take the young guys and the older guys who kind of play and and are established they kind of get to walk off the field and the devo guys who are guys who are basically the second string or anybody beneath that they go to work and get in a ton of coach led drills against each other and against, against each other in their own position group. And then against each other across the ball. And that time where you can just, it's very diluted work. It's very, very high efficient work. And a lot of progression gets done in that time. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's like band, it's like watching grass grow during the season. And then in spring ball, it turns into bamboo and it, and it just has this exponential growth rate. So 
it, it's so benefit. I mean, even for specialists, it's so crazy the amount of reps yeah. you get. Um, so the fact that this team got to now go through, I mean, I, I thought it was nuts that Dane Belton, with all the experience he has on the game field, has never gone through a spring ball. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. it's there's gonna be a few people who who on the field they they have a little extra gear. I think Belton's one of them. There's probably a couple others. I think there's a few players on the Hawks this year with, with an extra gear that you're like, Ooh, he didn't have that as part of his game. And now he does because of the whole spring ball thing. I mean, I don't think Goodson has had a spring ball. Um, I was going to say Goodson next. I mean, Goodson, Dean Belton, neither one of them had a spring ball, which is. And they're two maddening. of our best players. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I, I think, I don't think Jack Campbell has either. Nope. And it's, and it's, it's just, you go down <laughs> the list. It's like some of our best players haven't even had a spring ball yet. Yeah. So. I think our good players get better, get, they get great. And then there's just the question of the meshing and putting it together. So I I'm excited. I'm really excited to watch the Hawks this year. The, the fact that we've talked 25 minutes or whatever it's been, and we didn't mention Tyler Goodson yet, is probably an error on our part because I'll tell you what, it, I don't think it is. I think it's a, I think it's a testament to the other players yeah. on the team. I really do. I think this is a deep team. This, this team talent wise is way more talented than the 2015 team we had. Like I promise. Interesting. Um, I, I, that 2015 team, like you said, it was, it was a team. I would, I would put it on like an average to above average talent level. We had one, we had one draft pick and he was almost Mr. Irrelevant Blythe. Who's still in the league doing great. He's now he's with the chiefs. Um, but like, man, we just didn't have like stars on that team. CJ was was good to very good, but he wasn't a Heisman kind of quarterback. He, we, we just kind of, it was just a very gritty, you know, guys from the bar down the street, like came out onto the field and we were just playing with, you know, I just, just a, yeah. a, a passion to win. And it just, a I mean, we, we just, we, ref, we refused to lose that year. And um, talent wise, we always get in a conversation with anger about it. He's like the 2019 would have smoked the 2015 team. And it's like, yeah, that 29, that 2019 was like, if you look at where all of their careers ended up, it was like the entire team went on to play in the NFL. Yeah. Um, can't say that for the 15 team, but there's that intangible, there's that intangible quality of a team that comes together about the time that first game week rolls around. That is like, okay, as a team, how do we move and perform as a symbiotic 105 man unit, 75 man travel roster, right? How do, how do we move? And there's so many variables that go into that. It's just not even funny. Um, That is, that's the big question. But again, I mean, Goodson is good son. I mean, he is. uh, I would enjoy watching him this year. And that, that's what my next point was. I, I think he's going to have a legitimate decision. I really do think, especially you talk about a guy where I've questioned break breakaway speed. I think Goodson has everything in the toolbox that you'd ever want in a running back besides two things. Pass protection still needs work. Yeah. I mean, he, he like, I, I, I love the kid. I love watching him play. He's exciting the way he can make things happen. He still misreads gaps and misread blitzes at times. And it has gotten Spencer hit at times. Mm-hmm. I got Nate Stanley hit a couple of times too um, yep. during his final year. And that top end speed, but I'll tell you, man, that kid looks thick. I got a chance to finally stand next to him. And after the end of spring ball, we finally had our first person interview. That dude's put on 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. Like he is 
thick. Now he's not like a skinny Tyler Goodson where he gets shipped away from you. He's going to bulldoze some dudes this year. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Mel Kuyper put him as the fourth best running back prospect available. That's eligible next wow. year. Uh, so if he's the top two round pick, uh, and if he has yeah. an all big 10 caliber season, I'm going to tell people and enjoy it while it lasts because uh, he, uh, he might, yeah. he has a decision to make. I agree. I agree. I, for some reason, he strikes me as a, as the potential like Desmond King comes back and just does it for a senior season. I, I don't, I don't know the yeah. kid, um, but something about, yeah, something about him says like, man, like I'm going to enjoy this time in college running back is different. You take a beating and you gotta, I mean, in my opinion, you gotta go take the money when it's there for you. Um, especially at running back too, that especially, shelf life. especially at running back. And he, you're right. He is, I mean, he is basically the total package. Would I like him to be six feet tall instead of five ten? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, would I love him to be able to beat anybody on the team in a race? Yeah. But he's, he's basically there. He's the next tier down. I mean, you look at that. Um, I mean, I could watch that play where against Wisconsin, where he, he kind of shimmies and then breaks loose outside out of the, uh, the back end of the defense and Linderbaum is running with him. That's the best part of that whole play. Yeah. Um, but he's pretty damn fast, man. And yeah. And in the NFL, honestly, what the, the top end speed running backs in the, in the way that the game is played now, they're going to be used as more of like even catching out of the backfield. Like that's where their speed is most used. Like a Kamara. Right. Type. Yeah. I mean, how many times are you, how many times, and it happens, right? Like Christian got hurt last year, but um, you see Christian McCaffrey, you see Dalvin cook, you see some of those guys break, break it through the second level. And then they run away from a DB every once in a while, but any more DBs are going to run running backs down. Like they're going to, they're, I mean, yeah. some of those guys, DBs are some of the freakiest athletes on the planet. Yeah. Um, the fact that Tyler Goodson he welcomes the contact is what is the best part. Like he's, he was my size. I mean, I think he, what, what is he? 205 on the roster or maybe. I think he's about 205. I think he came in at about 190. Okay. So I know what that size is like, like 5'10", 205, 210. That's not huge when you go to the second level and you meet yeah. a guy like Jack Campbell, who's 6'5", 240. Um, the Seth fact Benson. that Jack Campbell, by the way, has put on the weight he has, I don't think people realize. Like, I watched that kid his in, in the state, uh, state playoffs his senior year. He was 6'4", 195. Wow. He was 195, and he got He's to still, canvas and, and add on all that weight. And I'm like, when he adds on weight, I mean, obviously the coach know a thousand times more than I ever will, but I'm like, I'm going to be shocked if he keeps that sideline to sideline speed. And the dude got faster. Yeah, he's faster. <laughs> I my brother my brother says he just is an absolute. I mean, I've been with some freaks in conditioning. That's where you really see see it shine, and you're like, okay, this guy's just different. Like, there's humans yeah. out there who are built different. Um, Jack Campbell is one of those. Like, I used to run with Anthony Nelson and George Kittle, both guys who were. I mean, Anthony was a line guy, and when Anthony came into the program, he was like 210 pounds, which is like a small semi. And he was running skill conditioning times yeah. and, and, and he was smoking some of the skills. Kittle was another one of those guys who just dusted everyone. Didn't matter how big or small you were. Um, 
Jack Campbell's one of those guys is what I hear. I mean, he just, he has no anxiety walking out to the conditioning field because he simply just, it doesn't affect him. Like it, it's not a big deal. It's unfortunate that he had like mono last year to start the year. Cause what he yeah. did when he, when he came back was awesome. Like he got a pick against uh, Wisconsin, I think. I mean, it was uh, it, he's a special player and he still looks like I'm obsessed with, you know, because I'm into health and fitness and that's kind of my, my jam. I, I, he's, I truly believe you see some of these crazy, crazy bodies in the NFL now that like, Oh, you're a linebacker and you're playing at 260. Like there's a few of those guys. Yeah. I legitimately think that if you did it the right way, Jack Campbell could be six, five, 260 and play at linebacker. Now he's going to stay around 245. Yeah. But six five is the type of frame. I mean, you see guys like Sheriff or Aaron Donald who they weigh to 70 to 80. You got some 300 pounders out there who who flash an ab every once in a while. Um, imagine just to uh, like a solid two six. I'd love to just get that kid on steroids and see what you can do for him. He could be an incredible <laughs> bodybuilder. Um, he is because uh, he's still at six five two forty two. I think is what he's listed on on the program. Yeah, uh, he still looks skinny, and I yeah. think it's yeah. At, at two forty, you have plenty of weight, and I obviously have no idea what it's like to be six five. At six five, you can bring the hammer at whatever you weigh. Um, but I think they're they're holding off on him being two fifty or more just to keep that speed. I don't know if he would lose any of it. I would selfishly, I'd love to see him at two fifty plus and just watch him sure. run around and just decapitate people um i think he even though i think like somebody came out with uh somebody came out with like a rankings like i don't think jack campbell is on anybody's radar other than uh, yeah no i think you're right about that uh i I definitely think you're right about that too and and i'll give you a a comparison where if you you talk about like you're you're into like seeing how the body develops and the physical changes this is the craziest probably one of the craziest things i've ever heard Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kevin Durant, basically same height, di- totally different body styles. Saw they're, the exact, they're like the exact same weight. Yeah. And it's absolutely maddening to me. And another guy, which I think Iowa fans, m- maybe they know of, um, but I do think it's worth mentioning because I watched him during a, I used to cover Nebraska. I know where uh, you're Micah going with Parsons this. was one of the biggest, most freakiest athletes I've ever watched any level. Yeah. 6'3", 245. I bet he gets up to 260 in the NFL. But I watched that kid line up at wide receiver in a yeah. Friday Night Lights camp and torch five-star defensive backs. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely torch them. And I'm sitting there like, all right, this kid yeah. might be a top 15 kid. Like, I'm like, I'm moving him to top three. I mean, that was some of the most ridiculous. Physically, the kid is just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It, do it back to Jack Campbell, though. I mean, I think he's a potential – all big 10 caliber bat. I mean, he's just, he, he plays so oh, not smart. potential. He's if he's, I think he's, he's going to be, yeah, he's, and it's so, it's so like Homer, Homer of me to say like, yeah, I think our entire DBs are the best DBs in the big 10 and we have the best middle linebacker and Seth Benson's great. Um, and Dane Belton is my favorite player on the team. Dane Belton is my favorite player on the team. And I think he has the biggest ceiling career wise in football of anybody on the current roster. I think he literally has the potential to be, to go be like a mini cam chancellor someday in the league. I really do. Um, but right now I think, I think Campbell's a big, 
I think he's all big 10. Like it's, it's no question. Yeah. And Benson has the potential to be too. He's really solid. He body wise is, is much more, I think he's like six one, but he, he's like a stocky little two forty bowling ball. He'll lay, um, lay the hammer on you. And he's fast enough, right? He's fast enough. He's kind of like Josie. Like he has enough speed to get it done. Um, there's just, I mean, there's those two. And then you, you talk about that DB set that we have, which has got to be one of the most experienced DBs in the country. In the country. And then you throw in Xavier Williams to the UNI transfer. Right. Which, which, where is he going to play? Like, he's going to be a special teamer. And then like, Hey, if anybody gets tired on in the DB core, like just throw it, plug and play Xavier Williams, wherever he wants to play. Like, I literally think that's what they could do. I, I um, think so too. I think he's going to line up at corner and, but like, here's my thing too. A couple of things. One, I think Riley Moss is criminally undervalued. Like, I think he gets way criminally too undervalued. Like, I think, I think people rip on way too hard. I'm like, if you look at just like, he's been consistent. Number one, number two, he's one of the fastest guys on the team. Like the guy had one of the best 110 hurdle times in the country in right. high school and hurdles. If you don't want to talk about actual athleticism and speed hurdles shows you more than sprints. Absolutely. At least, I, I mean, I think so. And I'll give people a name. I've been, I've been saying for two years, this guy's going to break out and I'm going to go with your number three. I think Justin Jacobs is an absolute freak. And I think that if he really can piece it together, I think if you talk about a guy who really needed spring ball, it was yeah. Justin huge, but man, he, that dude is so athletic and he has a different, he has a knack for blitzing the quarterback that I don't think anybody else on the roster, as far as linebackers has. And I, yeah. I think he can just bring something different too. I think what surprised me most about him in spring ball was his size. I, um, introducing the two way V4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell. Each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience, maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level, learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com. I didn't, I don't know why I was under the assumption, but I was just, I was just, I looked out there and I was like, who's number five at line? Like, yeah. who, what is, who is that? I, and I had to pull up the roster and then I realized, oh, that's Jacobs. Uh, and I, I've been, a, I've been around a lot of athletes. I mean, I played with so many of them and you just know when a guy is athletic and, and he kind of has a knack for things. I think you're right with him. I think he's, I think he's going to be an under, rated player on our defense this year um i of course I, depends if they go four two five or if they run a four right. or three i mean i was just thinking like hey let's just let's put campbell in the middle and bring in xavier and then play hankins hankins moss Kavon, jack belton Xavier Williams will play six DBs and Jack Campbell and four D linemen. And just, <laughs> it would be insane. Like the speed, I, the athleticism, like the package you could run the blitz packages you could run with, with that. Because I think, I think, I mean, Campbell can run with Campbell's faster or as fast as any tight end you're going to see. Yeah. And Belton is big enough to guard and physical enough to guard tight ends and, and receivers as well. So Phil Parker has got to be just licking his chops at what the potential 
things he can do with this, with this team. Um, and, and, and it really all just comes back to, well, as long as we just have four guys who can just put their foot in the ground and, and hold the, the line a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think, honestly, I think Van Valkenburg is a, a potential all, all big 10 defensive lineman. He's solid. As well. He's solid. I, I, like he had, he could be, he could be great. Um, and he flashed last year several times. Um, hard to tell his development. He's a, he's an older guy. Now he, he's really the leader of that group. I think, I mean, that's, that's the big thing. Who's going to take over him and, and Wagner and, and I mean, and, Wagner has been there a while. And I think he's a guy that you need to look for too. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I really like him. The thing about Van Valkenburg, and this is my biggest, I think he's, I think he's one of the best Iowa's had in recent years at sealing the edge, especially in the run. Like mm-hmm. he contains so well on the edge. His pass rushing, I think he's been close a lot, but he's got to get that final step in. Like, I think three of his three and a half sacks last year came against Minnesota. There yeah. has to be more consistency across the board, but he has the fumble recovery. Yep. Uh, he was number one in the nation in that, at least tied for it. He can make plays. There needs to be space eaters. Like, if Yahweh Black doesn't have a sack, but if he gets two linemen on every single play and just creates yep. opportunity for guys on the edge, that's all they need. And <laughs> – and yeah. I'll say this too, and I know I, I feel like we just can just keep poking around with these DBs, but that that's how the, I think the potential is there. I think, like you said, I think Phil Parker's got to be thrilled. We haven't mentioned Jamari Harris, who I think is going to be a really good player in this time. Terry yep. Roberts, who is a godsend on special teams, does yep. everything right. I think Kevon Merriweather is going to be massive. I the, the athleticism, the speed, and what people don't I don't think remember is this is a guy that was going to play D one basketball until Iowa offered him a football scholarship. And wow. like he didn't, I didn't, he know, didn't, I didn't know that he, he didn't play football until his final two years of high school. So when he got to Iowa, there was that, and there's such a learning curve, obviously. Right. He's healthy. And, and you know, I don't want to go back into the, you know, the, the racial disparities and all that, but if you talk about a guy that emerged as a leader, not just on the defense, but as a vocal leader on the team itself, that I think people yep. really respected it's Kevon Merriweather. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and that's huge. You love to see that as a, as a personal development thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you could, you could damn near run out two full defensive backfields and, and you're like, okay, well, I we're I'm okay with any of these eight guys that are playing. It's, it's just stupid. The depth we have Terry Roberts is, he's probably one of the better special teamers of the last decade, I think with what yeah. he's, with what he's shown last year. And, um, he'll be a backup this year in the defensive backfield, obviously probably get reps. If we get up him and Harris will get a lot of reps if we get up big on teams. Um, and hopefully we, we have those opportunities. Both of those guys are extremely athletic and extreme. They are football players. They're just, they just have it in them to go and be aggressive and feel the game of football and how it, how it rolls. So yeah, man, I just, there's just so much to talk about and, and, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, and that defensive backfield is a highlight. Let's uh, let's flip back to the offense real quick. I really want to talk about the wide receivers and again, some questions, but you know, I think losing Brandon Emir is huge. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Emir, what he had shown, especially not just in the offense, but in the return game. I mean, he's one of the great returners in big 10 history. Um, Brandon Smith had a knack, especially in the red zone, which I think he could have been utilized better in the red zone but that's just Captain hindsight and me just being a spectator, not being in the locker room, obviously. 
But look, man, I, I, I will say this, and I said it right when Tyrone stepped on campus. Tyrone's overall skill set and combination is such a unique breed that Iowa just, I don't think, has had in years. Like, he doesn't have the height. Yeah. He's got the athleticism. He's got the explosiveness. He has the shiftiness. He has the knack to want to block. If he can correct the drops and he gets the targets, I mean, I, this is an all-Big Ten caliber receiver. I'm not talking first team. I think Chris Olave and – and uh, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State have that locked up, and well, you know, deservedly so. Those two are absolute animals. Uh, yeah. They're absolute freak players, and they'll definitely be first round picks. But look, man, I'm I'm I've been all on board the Tyrone train, and I think he. It, I think I'm very interested to see what what Kelton Copeland does. Who, by the way, I think gets criminally underrated, undervalued nationally because that room he took over when he got to Iowa. I think it was among the worst rooms in the, in, in, in the nation anywhere because there's just great? no scholarship guys. I mean, the, the, yeah. like, I think there's two scholarship receivers. I think Vandenberg was the only one that had a career yep. catch at the time. Um, but I really – I might be in the minority here, but I want to see Tyrone play the X. Remember when Brandon Smith went out for those five games and Tyrone yeah. had a breakout redshirt freshman year? He was playing the X receiver at the time. Yeah, he doesn't have the height, but man, he he against Big Ten defenses switching over to that. I really like what I saw out of him. Yeah, I, I think he has, like you said, I think he has the athleticism and just the the pop to him that uh, that he can go make it work at wherever they're gonna put him. I really yeah. like, and I also think, I mean. And that includes the backfield. I think they could throw him back there with uh, with Goodson in the Wildcat, and he could be dangerous. Um, he could – I mean, they, they won't do it, but they could do some fun motions like the Chiefs or the Rams do where they, they motion him out from the X or the Y spot and put him in the backfield, and then he runs a route from there. And that's dangerous because you get lost and the linebackers start to shift people, and it, it – I think there's a lot of opportunity that he provides. Um, and I think you're right. They need to just, they need to feature him. And the other guys need to be his, his Robins to Tyrone's Batman. Um, because I think he, I think he can, and I think he wants that responsibility and that, that sort of feature in the offense. And uh, he's, he's, he's electric. He's a, he's an electric athlete and he can do mm-hmm. a lot. Um I think, I think we'll be okay at receiver. I really do. I think we're. I mean, Regani and uh, slip in my mind now. Regani, Charlie. Oh, no, yeah, Regani and Charlie, um, who's maybe a top five favorite player of mine on the team, just because of what he does on special teams. Um, yeah. Those those guys are just really like you know like a get it done receiver. Like, hey, give me six yards here. Give me eight yards on a little button route. You know, and yeah. then. And then there's Tyrone down the sideline or across the middle or on a sweep, something like we have enough there. We just got to use it. I'll say this again. I, I hate hyping up freshmen. Keegan Johnson. I'm oh, telling those people. two. Yeah. Those two kids, Keegan Johnson's going to play this year and Arlen Bruce will play next year. And then in two years, those two are going to be assuming everything goes right. This is, there's so much to assume like, your academics and your you you like the fit and you're getting along with the coaches and your players. You talk about a kid that's straight focused. I mean, yeah. Kirk Ferentz even said like Keegan is all football. The kid's not on social media, even with all the you know the, the permission being lifted. He's not on social media. Like he's all football. I think Kirk and Kelton said like 
it's hard to get him to smile because he's so locked in literally all the time. <laughs> what uh, I watched him do against yeah. high school kids in his highlight tape is stu- it's, it's he dominated high school more than I've seen most. I mean, like you see D one highlight tapes or uh, of kids who are going D one and you're like, okay, yeah, he's, he's better than all these kids. He's making great plays. Keegan Johnson made it look like he was playing middle schoolers. And it was, I mean, it was stupid. I was just about to say he played against my alma mater and he went for 256 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, just <laughs> like, absolutely ridiculous what he was able to do. So um, I'm excited about him. Very excited. And Arlen, I think Arlen shifted. Arlen's physically ready, though. That's the thing. Like Arlen he'll, he'll is play so teams strong, year. man. Like I, like I couldn't believe how strong he was. Like yeah, I watched him. He played Wildcat quarterback in Kansas before he transferred up, um, mm-hmm. up to go play with Brody Brecht and that whole situation, whether he was going to be eligible or not with you know the COVID and all that crap. Uh, but look, I, I think he's got a shot. I think you said next year is his year. I think it's impossible to keep Keegan Johnson off the field this year. And the thing that showed me that more than anything, he made plays in spring. He downed the punt at the one yard line when he went and, yeah. and was gunner. I'm like, that kid's I'm like, that's what you want to see out of your, your true freshmen, especially ones that already you think are going to play, but they're going all out on, yep. you know, just punt drills. Um, Absolutely. But then, like you said, I, I, Charlie Jones, I'm very curious where he, he's going to fit in because you see all the practice highlight reels and he's made plays down the field. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and last quick thing about Tyrone I'll say is what stood out to me when we interviewed him this spring was he talked about, you know, uh, he basically said, yeah, you know, last year I was down. I thought I won the ball more. I put my head in the, you know, I, but he said, I had to go look in the mirror and say, am I really helping the team? And he went and talked to Brian, went and talked to Kirk, went and talked to Kelton. He said, look, your time's coming. Just stay with the program. Um, and they got him back on track and he took full accountability for last year. So I think we talk about a guy that you want, to be mature like that is shown maturity and shown accountability. That's who you want leading the room next year. And that's why yep. I think Tyrone is going to be uh, that guy. So I'm sure the offensive line will come up, but I do want to hit a few of these questions, Tyler. And sure. Again, it's, it's crazy how fast time goes, but I, I, know. I really appreciate you uh, of course. Uh, coming on. So uh, let's just start with the very basic stuff. Uh, what's going to take for Iowa to win the West this year? Uh they, I mean, they have to, they have to beat Wisconsin. Uh, they, you look at, you look at the West perennially and it's just like, this is the gatekeeper, right? Um, it's tough to beat Wisconsin. I also think actually, and I, because of what they've done the last five years, you have to, you have to beat Northwestern too. If you yep. don't beat Northwestern and Wisconsin, you're not, mathematically you're probably not even in the position but if you even if you lose to one of those teams and you somehow get to the big 10 championship it's almost like you almost don't deserve it like you 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 have to be able to beat those teams and and minnesota nebraska illinois those are non-starters like though you you have to handle those teams and then northwestern and and wisconsin Again, those are the games where you go back to and you see it and you say, okay, what's the culture and the grit of this team like? And how do they handle these two games? No, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I think you have to throw Northwestern there because every time you think they're going to be horrible, they turn out 10 wins and, and win yeah. the rest. Like, I, I yep. don't know how they do it, but I think that's a credit to Fitzgerald as a coach. And they win yeah, he's, the ugliest possible good. ways. Um, beat Wisconsin. 
like I said, I, I think they're going to come back this year and I think they're going to come back pissed off. I think they're going to yep. have a really, really good team. And yep. I don't think, you know, I think Graham Mertz is legit. I don't think people really respect how good that, that dude's going to be at Wisconsin. He's going to be good. Um, but yeah, no. And, and I think at the end of the day is offense. You have to control line of scrimmage. You got to play Iowa football. The yep. offensive tackles have step in. Jack Plum's got to be ready. I think Mason Richmond is going to be a stud. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll throw out this name. He didn't get to do spring ball, but I'm going to throw his name. David David Koffs could be a stud tackle. I think oh, that him, dude is yeah, built him different. And, uh, and then the no- another kid that's coming in in the new class this summer. Bo I Stevens? Think, or I, maybe he's in the next year's class. That, that Mislinski kid? Yeah, he's coming in next uh, this summer. Yeah, it's center. That kid, I think, is going to be good. Yeah. But obviously, I mean, it, it'll he's, be a few years until that – matriculates probably but if uh if linderbaum wants to come back after this year right i mean yeah it yet to be seen <laughs> I, I was gonna be fine on the o-line you got to be more than fine to beat wisconsin and the o- offensive line is extremely important in that game specifically both offensive lines are um got to beat the badgers if you want to represent the west and i'll say this too it's important to keep in mind iowa's bye weeks the week before wisconsin that helps it helps so um, and I'm going to throw in this, this might be just me, you know, talking out of, you know, where, but I think he got beat Iowa state. I, I think there's a certain confidence and a certain swagger Iowa teams get when they beat Iowa state that goes forward in the rest of the season. And statistically, yeah. at least in Kirk's career, his teams are better when they beat Iowa state. Um, I would, I would actually disagree with you on that one only for this year only for this year. And it's because Iowa state is so hyped up. The reason that we beat Iowa state and then you get, you see a little bit of that swagger and confidence is like, even on the outside looking in most years past, it was, Oh, Iowa state's not the caliber team that Iowa is, but we know it's going to be a close game because they're going to play great. And it was always this like, Oh my God, they're going to give us our best, their best shot. And we have to go and, and somehow pull that one out because we're supposed to. Sure. This year, the Hawks aren't supposed to beat Iowa State. And um, and so I think if we lose that game, now if they get ran out of the building, maybe, yeah. But if it's a close game or we lose by, you know, like touchdown and a field goal, 10 points, touchdown, and it's close, that might even be a confidence booster for this team early in the season because that, because as much as you don't listen to the noise when you're inside the program, you still know the climate and you still know yeah. oh, Iowa State's this big team. They're ranked. They got the number by their their name. When we look at the TV broadcast, it's like, I don't know. That's, but there may be something to that. You're right. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I, I think on top of that too, I you know what? I'll combine it like this, Tyler. They can't start out 0-2. I think they if have to. They have to be Indiana, and they have to yeah. be either Indiana or Iowa State. They they just they if they're zero they, and two, their shot at winning the West is it vastly decreases. Vastly. Even if they don't play any Big Ten West teams, like I, that's the way I yeah. see it. And 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 I'll say this: as much as people are going to disagree with me, I think Nebraska is going to be a little bit better. And I would they hope have a, so. I mean, they, at this they, point, they have it. They have a knack, though, to play Iowa close. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, they have a knack. Um, Illinois is gonna be interesting to me. I think they have a couple dudes on defense, but Iowa's been able to take care of business there. And then it's not even Purdue. I'll be honest. It's just David Bell 
is can yeah. Iowa step up and stop David Bell? Yeah, I mean, they just need to put three guys on him and and, <laughs> make- and just do something. It's like a yeah, freaking triangle and two from the basketball yeah. arena. Just somehow contain that guy. Um, yeah, man, so- I it'll be tough. It's so tough to win the West. I mean, people think it's easy. It's just not, it's just not easy, man. It's, it's a so division tough. in power five football at the end of the day. Like what Ohio state does is stupid, but I think that's also a credit to Penn state and Michigan taking steps back yeah. as a program. Uh, now Tyler, I'm asking you this and I could be totally missing this, a story behind this, but I'm, I'm asking anyway. Okay. Kittle wants to know if you'll do him a favor. Yeah. I mean, Kittle, he likes to respond to all these when when anybody in the Iowa in the Iowa it, that's a there is a story. Um, if you go watch the episode with Rob Ton from Green Bay and Kittle on Bussin' with the Boys, um, anybody listening or you, uh, David, you'll you'll understand that one. But um, I'd like Kittle to do me a favor and come on our show which would be fantastic. It's tough to get those tight ends. We're trying to get a couple of them coming up here, but um, yeah, man, those guys, I mean, Kittle's, he's a, George Kittle can literally do and say whatever he wants. I mean, he's just that big of a superstar. He's incredible. Yeah. Well, he's got the rock tweeting about him. Like all all the time at this point too. Yeah. Uh, But interesting. All right. Thanks for the clip. I'll, uh, I'll use that to tease it for sure. I'll tag him too. Uh, what are you most looking forward to this season? I am looking forward to. Hmm. That is interesting. I think I'm most looking forward to watching that back seven play. I, I really am. Um, the easy answer is fans back in Kinnick stadium and just the environment. But I think more specifically, I really, I am excited to watch defensive back and linebacker play. That will be, I I think it's a top, and again, this is without knowing what other teams have, but just knowing where past defensive backfields have ranked and what they're able to do. I I think we have a top five back seven in the country. I really do. Top 10, at least. Yeah. It'll be interesting too. And I mean, I'll I'll go one on the field, one off. I mean, I'm walking down Melrose like for the, you know, first yeah. few home games, like I'm going to go three hours before and say hi to people. I'm just going to walk down and like yeah. to see people just congregate again. Like dude, driving down Melrose, it was like, I am legend. Yeah. It was like world war Z. It was like it's a weird. zombie apocalypse. It was the eeriest thing I've ever experienced outside of being in, uh, at the big 10 tournament in 2020 yeah. when they announced overhead, Hey, there's a global pandemic. Like, please exit immediately. That was like, you know, you feel every cell you're being crawl and just so right. eerie and so That's sketchy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that and then I, I, I'm i just very interested to see how Iowa's passing offense is going to be changing a little bit because the way they've talked about revamping it a little bit, they talked about getting rid of the ball quicker. So I'm interested to see what scheme changes Brian Ferentz is going to be able to make because I think they preached the 2.5 seconds where if Spencer gets the ball out of his hand 2.5 seconds, I mean, this is all advanced, you know, analytics. However however much stock people want to take into it, like 66% completion percentage, like very little picks, like having great success doing it. Are they going to rely on that or are they going to allow allow like Keegan and Tyrone to get downfield or Luke Lachey? Uh, I was going to say about Luke Lachey, 
So 24-7 sports for each recruiting class does who they want in a dunk contest out of the football recruits. Yeah. And, and Luke Lachey made that list because of how freak of an athlete he is. Yep. Um, and he was a good basketball he's, player too. I think he's related to Nick Lachey too. I don't uh, know that. I know his I father's know Jim. That, I'm pretty sure he is. So, you know, his father, uh, Jim Lachey, right? That kid's an absolute freak. You know, his father, Jim, right? Yeah. He played for Ohio state. Uh, yeah. He was like so an all pro guard. Just, yeah. It's, it's in his blood. I think, I think, I think his dad's still the color commentator for Ohio state radio, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's his blood. Um, Let me see here. I I really want your take on this actually though, because I have my own from my media perspective, because I've been to almost every stadium, big 10 stadium rankings. Give me a couple of the best big 10 stadiums and then give me a couple of the worst. Uh, Give me a couple of the worst along with Northwestern. Northwestern is so bad. It's so bad. Um, the bottom of the barrel Big Ten stadiums are are Northwestern and Purdue. And I mean, Illinois' stadium really isn't bad. It's just the environment is trash. I, it's Northwestern and Purdue. They're just – it's just so bad. And, and the best are um, – the best are, I mean, I'd have to say Kinnick is probably up there, but other than Kinnick, it's yeah. probably Ohio State. And you know what? When Nebraska packs Memorial Stadium, it's a very nice, well-built, aesthetically pleasing, rowdy stadium. And yeah. uh, so I'd say, I'd say the Horseshoe and Memorial Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the Purdue. By the way, I think I've been I've been in their locker rooms. I mean, it's the worst. Like the the fact that they haven't been forced to actually upgrade the visiting locker rooms is the most insane Incredible. thing in the world to me. Because I've seen literal yeah. middle school locker rooms better than what they yeah. give, what they give you what they gave you guys. Correct. Correct. Yep. It's a it's an OSHA violation for sure. Uh, let me see. Yeah, Ohio State, and I'll throw Penn State. Ah. Uh, Madison's kind of weird. Like I like, I like Wisconsin. I think the jump around is pretty cool, but like the yeah. way, the where it's located and like the way you walk into it and the way it's just, just where it's at. It's just really, really weird to me, but like Lincoln's sick. Kinnick's in a really good spot. I think in Ohio, the horseshoe is just a shoe. Uh, yeah. Big house. I think the big house is nice too. People say it's overrated. I, I thought it was pretty nice when I went there, but it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's still pretty cool, but um uh let me yeah. see when did you uh when did you uh, you know what? i'm gonna I'm rephrase this question a little bit because i'm curious too what made you decide to want to start podcasting so basically just the fact that we were out of the game and it was the first season that hawkeye football was happening and we weren't hawkeye football anymore um and so i guess the real answer is we just had to find some way to be a part of it again. Uh, and, you know, we had a bunch of stories and a bunch of anecdotes and stuff that the fans would never really see. They don't really ever see. And so we were like, Hey, let's just get on a mic. Let's just be three idiots on a mic. And that's basically what we've done. Uh, and plenty of people will tell you that Drake is an idiot, but Hey man, he gets, uh, he gets people to listen he actually is smarter than anyone gives him credit for. And 
Kevin always provides when he's there, he provides good stuff too. And I think we're just an entertaining, you know, just BS podcast that just likes to have fun and there's no rules. So you guys are what over 200 episodes now, 222 will be recorded tomorrow night. Wow, man. I mean, I think that says a lot in itself though, too, because people don't realize how difficult it is to be consistent when it comes to that stuff. Like it, it really does test you. It is incredibly. Yeah. Especially when we have jobs and lives and there's three of us. Yep. Yeah. That's a, that's a fair point too. A couple more, we can make it more rapid fire, but who is the freshman who walked in? You guys went, Oh damn, this guy's different other than Werfs and, and AJ. Yeah, I mean those two are the immediate answers. Um, Noah probably is up there too. Walked in. Yeah, he was. Uh, he definitely competed athletically. I'm trying to think of other freshmen that were just like crazy. I mean, Amani Jones was just like. I, he, I mean, he just what he did in the weight room. It was like, okay, well, I'm scared of him. So, <laughs> cool. Like, uh, like he's he's he is going to have no issue physically playing on the game field. Um, and his mentality and just the way he went about everything was so uh, with such a spirit and an energy to him. Yeah. He was, he was definitely one of those guys. Monty Jones was an absolute freak. Reminds me of just like, he's built like a boulder. He's like, he's he, just so strong and he's just so just stocky. I mean, he, correct. And, and, and on top of that though, too, he's like the nicest guy in the world, at least to yep. the media. I mean, he was very engaging Funny, so nice. Seems yeah. like a really, you know, pretty genuine dude. Incredible. Uh, I think he was my first interview actually when I wow. when I started this job because nice. I, I came for the media day and he was the first player available. So yeah, there you so go. That was a. I could have done a lot worse. Let's put it that way. Sure. sure. Uh, I really like this question too, and it, I think it is up for debate though. Unless you're an Alabama type talent team with like Mac Jones last year, is it possible to compete at the highest levels of college football? without a quarterback with at least some playmaking ability with his legs, three-fourths of Iowa's great seasons under Kirk have had guys who can change games like that. Um, I mean, even CJ made a couple big time runs. Yeah. Uh, in that 2015 season. I would say, I would say at any level of, of football, if you are, you're trying to maximize everything that you can potentially do as a team. Right. And in today's game, a mobile quarterback is become a larger and larger piece of the pie that you could go to um, unless you have an all-time great like Drew Brees or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning who can absolutely just piecemeal a defense and, a, and an entire football game. Um, yeah, you you have to have one, um, which is why I'll, I'll say right now, like, I mean, I was not a national contender. I, I feel completely fine putting that out there. Um, we're just not. I mean, I, I'm sorry to hurt anybody's feelings out there, but, um, you know, we're just trying to get to the, you know, win the West consistently and get to the Big Ten championship before we can be on a national level. And you got to, I mean, and, and that's basically every team. If you're not a fan of Alabama or Clemson right now, I mean, LSU, they won the national championship and then went like five – or like two and six or whatever they did last year. They had the best offense probably in the history of, of college football with Burrow right. at quarterback. Yeah. And then just, I mean, it takes, it, it takes a lot to be a national contender. Um, and I mean, you, you look at Trevor Lawrence, he was, he was mobile. He was scary with his feet if he got out. Um, and 
Yeah. So we, yeah, you need a, you need a mobile quarterback. You need one. If you're going to win a national championship, if you're, you can win a big 10 championship. Um, you can win the West with, with just a guy. Um, I mean, CJ before that season in 2015, he was just a guy and he was pretty mobile with his feet, but you know, not a Heisman quarterback by any means. Um, and we were, you know, 40 seconds from winning the thing, but um, national level or like, you know, be a consistent team in the NFL. You got to have a, you got to have a mobile dude. Yeah, no, I'm in the same boat with you on that too. And can Petrus be that guy? I'm not really sure, but I, I, I also, don't think, think, I don't think that, so. I also think that Petrus has the potential in him to be a really, really good pocket passer. And the key to him taking a big step this year, I, I meant to say this earlier, his pocket presence has to improve and he's got to be confident in the pocket. Cause there are times where he just looked absolutely defeated before the play even started last year. Um, That's his biggest thing. Yep. Comfortability. I, at least, yeah. And I mean, he had decent O-line protection, but like I think of the play, I think it was against Nebraska where he literally span in a circle when nobody yep. was coming and then just threw it over the middle without looking Yeah. at that point. That's when I'm like, okay, I really think they might want to change uh, yep. like quarterbacks, but to his credit, that again, he came back out the ne- those next two games and put together two really, really good – at least the second halves of both those games, he played yeah. really, really well. Correct. Yep. Uh, so – and then I really – I think we have to touch on this because it, it just – with news recency, but uh, Nick Saban uh, signing a contract extension 2028. I believe he'll be 74 or 75. Uh, so I guess people talking about, you know, what, what's – What's Kurt going to do? How long's Kurt going to be around for? Uh, I, I got my own opinion on this. I think I've said it before on the show, but I kind of want your 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 take on how much longer you think Kirk's going to. I mean, I hate to say it, it's going to be a storyline every single year until. Yeah. Kirk when is his contract through right now? I believe it's twenty twenty four. Okay. Uh, um, I think he's me, done after that. It. I think he's done it, on this current contract. Excuse me. It's uh. No, so it was a six-year contract extension that was back then. I believe it's through tw- uh, January 31st, 2026, so 2025. Oh, he's 100%. He's 100%. There's no more contracts left for Kirk. He's, he's done after that. Um, yeah. He, he's done everything he needs to do. I mean, if, if you think a national championship is something you need to check off as a coach, like you're, you're overreaching. Um, and – I mean, with everything that he's gone through, especially this last season, COVID, and he's already 21, 22 years deep. I mean, there's nothing more he needs to do. He needs no, he's made all the money in the world. He's basically the governor of Iowa. I mean, he's a living legend icon. And um, I mean, shit, he's already up towards 70, isn't he? Or 60, I think he's upper 60s. Yeah, upper 60s. So he is. He's 65. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. So that's actually not horrible, but um, give him another five years. He's at 70. He ain't coaching any, any, anywhere past that. I, I said 70, but I also think, you know, you talked about what he's gone through this year, but I, and again, I'm, this is my opinion. This is not anything I've heard. So I want to make sure I put that disclaimer out there before I say what I'm going to say. I think the racial disparity allegations and everything that he went through this year, I think there's a sense in him that he wants to stick around longer than maybe he had intended to before. If he did not intend to finish his contract out just for the sake of really, I don't want to say change the perception, but continue to lead the program down the right path. 
Sure. Um, and, and I think it was interesting at the end of this year, he said, this has been one of my favorite teams to coach. Um, and I, and I also think that's worth knowing too. I think this is where I'm not going to attack the national media about this, but I think they did get it wrong that when all that stuff was going down, almost every player backed up Kirk the second he was ever mentioned at all. And that yeah, was, I mean, there's, and you know, it, uh, and he's already by the, by the lawsuit, that's going on right now. I don't want to go down this road, but I do is worth noting this Kirk's already out of that lawsuit. Like he's not even named anymore. That's uh, Kirk Ferris is the best human potentially on the earth, like literally walking the earth. Um, He's, he just is a one in a billion person. And um, yeah, I I think it did a lot to him the, the last year. Yeah. There is a chance he wants to stick around for a few more years longer just to make sure he leaves it in the right spot. Um, but yeah, I don't see him going anywhere past that 2025 range. I think of the, I think of the quote they said in the last press conference, I, I might not be quoting it exactly, but he said like, Hey, I'm not thinking five week or five month plan anymore. I'm thinking a five year plan. And I don't know if he was dropping a hint to that point. Cause guess what? Five years, his contracts out. Like right. that's when he's going to be done. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, I don't think Mary wants him to coach past 70 either. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's coaching is such a, not a healthy profession. Um, yeah. and that's a whole, I mean, that's an entire series of podcasts on its own, but, um, I mean, plus like, you know, Brian has kids and, uh, James is eventually going to have kids. Probably Steve is going to have kids and like, he's going to want to watch his, his grandkids grow up and, yeah. Oh, you know, wherever Brian ends up coaching after that, he's going to want to go watch those games and be a part of that. And like, it's just, um, at, at some point it's just time to like retire and, and like enjoy life a little bit. Cause they don't get to enjoy it the same way that other people their age get to enjoy life right now. So yeah, this is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly throw this out there. I think our 24 seven site interviewed Roy Williams after he retired and they were asking, well, what's been, you know, a highlight of it. And he said, well, I've watched four flag football games, three dance recitals and all this stuff. And he goes like, I never got to do any of that ever yep. because I was exactly. coaching. And I, you could easily see you, you a lot more than me. I mean, you could easily see Kirk being like, yeah, this is what it's about. Like, this is exactly what I want to do. hundred percent. Yeah. So uh, Tyler, I'll let you plug away your social media. Uh, again, this went longer than I, I anticipated, but I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, as people know, washed up walk-ons, but I'll let you, uh, I'll let you promote all your stuff that you want to promote. Yeah. Tyler Kluver on everything, uh, washed up walk-ons on everything. Uh, if you want to check out the, the personal website, tylerkluver.com or the washed up walk-ons.com or hawksbyamillion.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it. I'm, I don't need to self-promote. Um, <laughs> You know where to find us if you want to listen to some BS and uh, and and if you wanna if you want us to test your your opinions or your your theories on certain subjects, just come over to listen to the Wash Up Walk Ons and we'll we'll pull on your heartstrings. It's in in some way or another, um, yeah. and have you have you cl- very close to hitting pause or delete out of your library, but you'll stick around just because. Yeah, the the relentless roasting of everybody else's opinions and unfiltered context right yeah okay that's what i figured again tyler i I appreciate it bro and uh we'll we'll definitely have to uh have you back on to preview some stuff down the road but again i i thank you man and uh we'll catch up soon
Yep, we're going to have you on the Wash Up Walk-Ons as well. So for anybody listening that's a, like a big iCold fan, there will be a, another crossover. So there's plenty of content, and I am, uh, I'm willing to come on your show anytime, David, anytime. Wow, Tyler just dropping that Washed Up Walk-Ons bomb right there. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll make it work. So again, David iCold, Hawkeyes on 24-7, HawkeyeInsider.com, Swarmcast, and just uh, stay tuned to the website. Recruiting dead period's over, but uh, content never stops. We're going to keep flowing out there. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+.